I have a confession to make this morning. I had this really cute story to begin my sermon. When I got up this morning and read the news about the tragedies of yesterday, suddenly that story was trite. And I've struggled with it. My heart breaks. And, I, and as I've prayed over what's happening in our culture, I, I realized that people need the church now more than ever. Now more than ever. When I came to, when I found out I was going to be your pastor, and I, I always do this, I, I kind of ask around, you know, what, 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 what does this church represent? Who, who are these people? Here's some of the things I heard. First Methodist is a great church with great people. Dedicated, friendly, prayer-focused. They're some of the nicest people I've ever met. Great church, great people. The most mission-minded church in North Texas. Sweet, dedicated people who love Jesus. Is that pretty close? In addition to the things I heard about you, I also heard about the difficulties of this church's history. And it's not my purpose this morning to recount that history um, because it's in the past. This, This morning, as we prepare for Holy Communion, I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that we might see a, a strategy for our society, for our culture, for those who are hungry for the life-saving presence of Jesus. You see, the presence of Christ, as he met with those early disciples, his purpose was to connect them to the future of what was about to come, to leave the past behind and to embrace what God was about to do. So this morning, as we talk about Holy Communion, I want to I focus on what I believe Jesus was trying to give to his disciples On that night in the upper room, encouragement for the difficult days to come. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our strength, our redeemer, may these words be your words. And God, for everything that I do not say that you would have me to say, I pray that you would fill in the gaps. Hide me behind the cross, O God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We begin this morning by looking at Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Cindy read a longer passage. I want to focus on 24 and 25. The first part of this passage that I want us to look at is let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Now, Hebrews is an interesting book. We don't know who the author is. There's lots of guesses. It was written somewhere between 60 and 70 A.D. at a time of tremendous persecution for for the Christians. 
There were Christians that were being dragged into the arena. They were being slaughtered. And so the writer of Hebrews, basic intent is to do a couple of things. Number one, to encourage. To encourage. To remind them of the sacrificial nature of Jesus Christ that that replaces all of the sacrifices of the past in one sacrificial event to pay for our sins. And then to identify faith. What does it mean to be a person of faith? This passage, consider how we provoke one another to love and good deeds. And wouldn't that be great for us, not only in this room and in the classrooms upstairs and all around us as we move on this property, but as we go off of this property into the neighborhoods around us, that we would provoke one another to love and good deeds. That we would provoke others to love and good deeds. And the writer of Hebrews gives us a a, a hint in that. For the key to long-lasting positive change is encouragement. Look, Look how he writes. In the next section I want to highlight here. But encouraging one another and all the more as the day is approaching. Encouraging one another. I got to tell you, I am so sick and tired of our culture being critical I am so sick and tired of the, of the complaints and the, and, and the arguments that take place at work, in government, in churches, at the schools. When is the madness going to end? When are we going to, to begin to see that, that, that this attitude of criticism and this attitude of tearing down is it's destructive? Harvard, and this is, a, this is a secular group, okay? A secular group. Harvard did a study five years ago, and they took 1,000 businesses across the nation, and they, uh, they divided them up into two groups. Uh, one of the groups had a kind of negative, corrective management style, okay? In other words, in the annual reviews, employees would come in, the manager would tell them all the things that they'd done wrong. In the other 500, they would bring the employees in and they would tell them everything they had done right. Now, there were a few cases where, you know, if there were extreme things that need to be corrected, but their primary focus in that 500 was to focus on the positive. You know what happened over the next 24 months? In those 500 businesses that were focused on the negative, there was no improvement in the productivity of their employees. In those 500 businesses that focused on the positive, 60% of their employees improved in their productivity and in some cases, double, triple, quadruple. Encourage one another. That is the way we provoke to good... uh, to love one another and to good deeds. A pastor colleague of mine, uh, Alan Redpath, 
formed a mutual encouragement agreement in his uh, congregation. And the an acronym was THINK. An acronym was THINK. And each of the letters represented a question that he wanted his congregation and leadership to ask before they said or did anything. First, T, is it true? Is it the truth? Second, is it helpful? Third, is it inspirational? Fourth, is it necessary? And fifth, is it kind? Radcliffe had, (laughs) I don't know that we'd be able to do this or not, had all of his leaders sign a covenant to use this an acronym. Some of the Sunday school classes caught on, and his church, (laughs) his church began to grow 25 to 30 percent a year because the people that were coming in the door, they needed that positive encouragement. They needed to know that that they were loved and valued and there was something good about them. They needed to know that, that the negative pieces and, and attitudes of the world were going to be left outside. Now, what I've experienced here is a very positive congregation. And I'm, I'm grateful for your encouragement of me and, and, and the conversations that we've had. But I, I wonder if we were to institutionalize this kind of thing. And to even go one step further to say, you know what? In our sanctuary where we worship, there will be no negative comments. If you want to complain, if you want to make a negative comment, you go out in the foyer. Because what we want to do is in here, we want to, we want to, (laughs) in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, We want to run every spirit uh, contrary to the positive, life-changing nature of Jesus out of this place. And we want to fill it with that spirit that brings hope and wholeness and new life. Think for a moment what it would be like. Let's dream for a moment. What would it be like? See, I believe that encouragement relates directly to Holy Communion. Yes, Holy Communion is that time where we come and we commune with Jesus Christ and we experience again His forgiveness and His love. But there is a call that Jesus makes to His disciples and to us that is a part of this holy meal. In the Gospel of John... I want to show you this passage from chapter 13. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from, the, from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with a towel that was around him. I find this to be amazing. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knew that all of the disciples were going to desert him. 
Jesus knew that everyone in that room, in one way or another, was going to betray him in their their own way. And yet, he washed their feet. Because I think Jesus knew that when they experienced the resurrection, they would look back as John did and remember what Jesus had done for them in the washing of their feet. And just as they, Jesus had broken the bread and blessed the cup, so also he washed their feet so that as we come to this altar to celebrate that forgiveness and love in the, break, in the, in the body of Christ that is broken, in the blood that is shed for us, that as we get up and go out, we're about the business of washing feet. And not just those that we like, those that have been nice to us, those that, uh, those that look like us, but even those that betray us, desert us, abandon us, deny us. Because when the world experiences that, it changes them. It changes them. See, when we come to Holy Communion, that's what makes communion matter. It's not just a place to come and kneel and receive and remember, but it is a place to claim our work in this world, to wash feet, to encourage, to provoke each other to love and good deeds. That's what makes communion matter. When what we start here at the altar continues on as we walk out those doors. Well, when Jesus uh, sought to eat the Passover meal with his disciples, he knew that the next few days would be difficult. In fact, the next... hundred years would be difficult. And he wanted to give to them something that they could rely on, something they could remember, something that they could practice. And in that practice, to remember his call and claim and forgiveness for their lives. And so, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup and he blessed it and gave it to them and said, this is the cup of the new covenant My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from this, all of you, and be thankful. And likewise, after supper, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them and said, This is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And so, friends, as we remember as we receive the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So we are called to go out and to be the people of encouragement. Not those who are going to tear down, but to build up. Not those that are going to find what is wrong, but to find what is right. And, And I truly believe that the future of this church is wide open. That God has a plan for this church that we cannot even imagine.
So let us fill this place for the celebration of our Lord Jesus. Let us fill this place full of the full of the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Let us fill this place full of the creative power of of the creator who made all things so that we may go out to be all that God has called us to be and made us to be. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us pray. Lord God, in the breaking of this bread and in the sharing of this cup, we ask your blessing this day. As we take the bread and as we take the cup, may they be for us, your body and your blood. May we commune in, in, with you this day and know your presence with us. And may you inspire us, O oh God, as you did with those disciples. And you said to them, go now and as I have done for you, do for others. May we also join in that task. For we offer ourselves to you, body and soul, this day, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.